It's always an honor to be here with you, to be able to come and worship the Lord, to study a scripture together. Uh, to do that week after week is a special privilege. Uh, last week, we kicked off a new series, our summer series we're calling Christ in the Psalms. Pastor Karen uh, preached the first message in that series, and we're going to continue it this morning. And we've been looking, we're going to be looking over the summer at really the eight categories of Psalms that some Bible scholars divide the Psalms into. Is this a way to, to really tackle eight Psalms? Uh, over the next uh, several weeks. And, and the one we're going to tackle this week is a psalm of praise, a psalm of praise. And, and this category is really consists of just one psalm, Psalm 146. We, we get this song, the title for this song it, it, from the Hebrew, which means to praise and appreciate. It's a song that recognizes the very character of God. And as I said, there's only one psalm really in this category, Psalm 146, but get this, in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Psalms is named the Psalms of Praise. And so in that way, you can figure that all 150 Psalms are in this category. But we're going to look at that Psalm 146. Before we do, I, sort of a fun fact, there's one other song of praise uh, in, the, in the scriptures, and it's in 2 Chronicles, where the Lord uh, fights on behalf of Judah and Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. And it has a very simple lyric. 2 Chronicles 20, 21, 22. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That's pretty good. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, before we jump into Psalm 146, the question that I want you to sort of place in your mind and, and sort of allow you and the Spirit during the message to, to sort of work through is, where do you put your trust? Where do you put your trust? I was looking at a couple of studies that have been done recently, and this probably won't surprise any of us. As a nation, we're in an all-time low in this area of trust. For instance, trust in the media is at an all-time low. Trust in government is at an all-time low. We have an all-time low trust in brands. We even have an all-time low trust in fellow citizens. We have an all-time low trust in global stability, and this one probably won't surprise any of us. We have an all-time low in trust in the internet. Well, William Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, he wrote this. He said, love all, trust few. Love all, trust few. Again, again, I ask you the question, where do you put your trust? Where do you put your trust? Well, let's look at Psalm 146. We're going to read it. Uh, all 10 verses, and then we'll, we'll start to look a little deeper into this psalm. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in the Son of Man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless by the way of the wicked, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. 
The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Now, the psalm is written as sort of a congregational hymn meant for, for, for instance, a, a group like this for us to sing together. We don't know the date or the author, but we know the intent. In fact, the psalm begins in the first two verses. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And the first statement that, that praise the Lord is written in the plural. And so we can picture the song leader sort of calling the people to praise the Lord. And then there's this, this personal address that, that the song leader sort of gives to himself. He, he sort of exclaims, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And so we get this picture of the song leader calling out, praise the Lord, the people praising God and the song leader being so moved by the moment. He says, in the deepest part of who I am, I too praise the Lord. What do we learn from this? Well, we need to encourage ourselves to actually engage in worshiping God. Now, we understand that worshiping God isn't just a song thing. is isn't something we just do on Sunday mornings when we gather together that, that worshiping God is a, is a lifestyle. It, it's what we do with our very lives, the way that we live, the way that we embrace other people, the way that we go about our day-to-day our -day living. And to be real honest with you, I'm going to make a confession before you this morning. Sometimes I'm just not feeling it. Have you ever had that day? You're just not feeling it. In fact, the reality of it is I'm not a morning person. Like I get up early, but I don't like it. And I really don't want to talk to people for about an hour. Anyone out there like that? Like just give me an hour. Then I'll talk to, I'm a people person. I love talking to people. The first hour, I don't want to talk to anyone. You know? I don't wake up feeling it. And so what do I do? I wake up and, and part of that time I do every morning is spend time with the Lord. Reminding myself of who he is and what he has planned for me that day. And as I focus on the truth of who God is, then I begin to feel it. I have another confession to make. Sometimes on Sunday I, I pull into the parking lot and I'm not feeling it. Yeah, even me. I show up and I go, well, this is bad because I'm even sharing the message today and I'm not feeling it. You know what I do? I go to my office, I close the door. I spend a few moments reminding myself of who God is and what he has planned and what he wants to do with his word, what he wants to do with his gathering. And all of a sudden I begin to feel it. Now, I don't feel myself into believing. It's my belief that impacts the way I feel. You follow what I'm saying? It's the fact of who God is. And I think the song leader starts with this, praise the Lord. He's like, put your focus on him. And when you realize who he truly is, then, then all of a sudden something stirs within you because worship, after all, isn't about us. It's about God. Francis Chan uh, who's a preacher and an author, has written some amazing books. Maybe you've read some of them. He said one day he was standing in the back of the church. I heard him share this story at a conference I was at. He said, one day I was standing at the back of the church and someone came out and said, you know, the worship service really didn't do anything for me this morning. And Francis Chan looked at him and said, that's okay, it wasn't about you anyway. Let that sink in for a minute. Worship isn't about making us feel something. Worship is giving God what is due him. 
And when we realize who he is, the byproduct is we usually feel something. And so I found if I'm in a, a gathering of people and we're celebrating the Lord and I'm not feeling it, 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 it's not a God issue. It's not an upfront issue. It's a me issue. <laughs> and, and so we, we, we need to encourage ourselves to actively engage in worshiping God. And then verse two, the psalmist vows, as long as he lives, he'll praise the Lord. You know, it's, it's the theme of the song. Therefore, he adds, you know, I will sing praise of the Lord as, as, as long as I have my being. I commit myself to this. And here's the point. Here's the point. We are to praise God. The psalmist says, we are to praise God. He's the only one worthy of our praise. Then we read verses three and four. Put not your trust in princes, in the son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that day, his plans perish. Think about that. Really, when we boil down, there's only two alternatives to life. We either trust people, and by the way, I'd include ourselves in that. We either trust people or ourselves, or we trust God. And if we're to be honest, if we were to examine the, the days of our life, most of the moments of our existence, we're really trusting people. I mean, like we trust politicians to run our country. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. We trust our favorite news outlets to tell us what's going on in the world. All right? We trust professors to educate us. We trust doctors to diagnose and treat us. We trust pastors to care for our souls. And I want to say this. These aren't all bad things. In fact, some of them are very essential things. But you know what this can lead to? It can lead to just sort of going through our day-to-day and figuring that we don't really need God. Like that God doesn't need to be a part of the moment-to-moment stuff, that, that all these other people and ourselves, we'll, we'll take care of all this, God. We'll just come to you for the big things. And yet when we boil it all down, we understand there's a problem with this. All too often, we simply do not expect God to run the day-to-day of our lives. We don't expect him to be present in those things. We expect the answers to be out here instead of the answers to be with the Lord, who's always with us. As we place our trust in others, we need to ask, can this person save me? There's only one Savior, right, church? Oh, wait a minute now. You want to get to lunch, don't you? There's there's only one Savior, right, church? And and, and that's Jesus Christ. And and let me share with you, again, it's not, when I talk about trust, it's it's not like we we shouldn't trust people. We shouldn't be skeptical and thinking everyone's out to get us. I mean, that, that could lead us to really a bad place. What I'm saying is ultimately only God is 100% trustworthy. He's the only one worthy of running our lives. He's the only one capable of doing that. Uh, take a marriage relationship, for instance. If you're looking for your spouse to fulfill you, then you're not going to have a flourishing marriage because your spouse's job is not to fulfill you. Uh, we are called as believers to be fulfilled by God, to be filled by him. And what we bring into the marriage is something that will allow us to help the other person grow in Christ. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to pick out cards for my wife because they say things that as a believer I just can't agree with. Like, I love my wife so much, but she doesn't complete me. She doesn't fulfill me. I wouldn't put that on her. 
Come on, church. Like when I read scripture, only God can do those things. She's a blessing to me, but she's not my savior. Only the Lord is. And that's true for every relationship around us. All these things, good and bad, they're all things we got to put in perspective. And so we're not to praise others. We're to praise God, but we're not to praise others. What's that mean? It doesn't mean we don't encourage each other. In fact, we're commanded in Scripture to encourage each other. We're commanded in Scripture to love each other, to support each other. But we're not to praise each other. Like Only God is worthy of praise. And so anyone that we put up on that pedestal or ask of them, but only God can give us, we're setting ourselves and them up for failure. So we're to praise God, but we're not to praise others. Then the psalmist continues in verses five through nine. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. And the psalmist pronounces that, that blessed are those who, who place their trust, who worship, who praise the God of Jacob. And I believe that the psalmist doesn't use this term God of Jacob as merely a term for God, a, a title for God. I think he also uses it so that we'll be reminded of what God did in the life of Jacob. What did he do in the life of Jacob? Well, he helped him prosper. The Lord gave Jacob 12 sons who would become the, the 12 fathers of the 12, 12, 12 tribes of Israel. God rescued Jacob from a famine. God even restored his son Joseph to him. When you read Jacob's account in the book of Genesis. Now Why? Because the psalmist wanted us to understand that, that God has done this for Jacob and he will do so much more for us in Christ. Not that God will work in our life the same way he worked in Jacob's life, but the promise that he'll still work in our life. What do I mean by that? I think sometimes we rob ourselves of the blessings of God in our life because we find ourselves craving other people's blessings. We need to be careful of that. God, I want their blessing. And the Lord's like, well, I have a blessing for you. <laughs> but you're going to miss it if you're wanting all everyone else's blessings. And so he's not saying, look to Jacob. I'm going to give you exactly what I gave to Jacob. What he's saying is, look, I've been faithful to Jacob. I will be faithful to you. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, no matter what you're going through. He's saying, as I love Jacob, I love you too. I'm present and the psalmist wants us to understand that. It's a person is blessed who, who places our hope in the Lord. And he gives us this extensive list of, of why we're blessed when we place our hope in the Lord. For instance, he says, after all, God is the creator. And hoping in the Lord, we're hoping in the eternal one who stands outside of his creation. Stands outside of it. He's not bound by it. He's sovereign over it. And he's not like people who pass away. He's eternal, and so his promises are eternal. Remember earlier, he's talking about princes who give promises, then they die, and then the promise is gone. He says, no, no, God is eternal. His promises are eternal. God's our creator. Blessed are those who place their trust in our creator, God. He's forever trustworthy. He keeps faith forever. He executes justice 
He takes up the cause of the oppressed. He defends and vindicates them. I'm so thankful that we serve a God of justice. Now, I want to be careful here because I'm also thankful that when, when we read in Scripture that the wage of my sin is death, and by the way, the wage of your sin is death, that, that the way that he justly deals with it is by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die in my stead. So I'm thankful that God is a God of justice, but I'm also thankful that God is a God of mercy because he prepared a way for me to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But I'm thankful that God's a God of justice. And, and when you look at all the wrong in the world and you go, when, when are they going to get there? They will if they don't come to Jesus. <laughs> like, like paradise is going to be a just place. If that's not enough to get you stirred this morning, I don't know what else will. They says that he feeds the hungry. He cares for those who can't care for themselves. He, he sets prisoners free. He brings freedom to those suffering from hurts and habits and hang-ups. He opens the eyes of the blind. He heals not just the physically blind, but the spiritually blind. I'm thankful that he opened my eyes to receive him. How about you? He lifts up those who are bowed down. He brings relief to those burdened and heavy laden. Maybe you've come this morning and you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And the psalmist says, you know, God can bring you relief. Like he may not take you immediately out of that circumstance, but he can give you everything you need in the midst of it. You don't have to carry it by yourself. By the way, we as a church are here to carry each other's burdens as well. But God, through the supernatural work of his spirit, can give us what we need to to when the pressures of life start to bear down on us, to stand up under them in his victory. He loves the righteous, those who follow after him. And the psalmist understands that we don't always follow after him perfectly, but he, the righteous means those who are in Christ, who are covered with the righteousness of Jesus, who are being perfected by him in our imperfect way. Have you found that to be your journey? I find I'm being perfected in my imperfect way. God's making me more and more like Jesus. But you've heard me say this so many times, but it's so true, it's worth saying again. I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm a work in progress. You see, blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those who are on that journey. He watches over the sojourners, Jews and non-Jews alike. He cares for those who are poor and homeless. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. He cares for those who have lost all support and care in the world. Have you ever been in that situation where you felt all alone? Maybe you feel alone this morning. You're in a group full of, a room full of people and yet you still feel alone. And one of the things I often say too, because I believe with all my heart, it's, it's so true from God's word, is that you plus God is a majority. You're never alone when you have Jesus. You may feel alone, but I, I just have to reiterate the fact that feelings can be deceptive. Feelings can be deceptive. Feelings don't always speak to the truth. My wife's in this service, but I just have to be honest. I said, when I get up in the morning, I don't really want to talk to anybody. I don't get up feeling loved. I don't get up feeling loving. I don't get up feeling married. Whatever that means. But all these things are true. And sometimes we can feel alone and we just have to remind ourselves that in Christ we are never alone. If you're here this morning, you're not alone. You have a family called Crosswinds, God's church. 
And you plus God is more than enough. More than enough. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. He brings the way of the wicked to ruin. He thwarts their plans today, sometimes and, and sometimes not, but ultimately he will judge their misdeeds. Rights will, wrongs will be made right. Here we see an all-powerful and compassionate God. Now I want you to catch this this morning. When perfect power meets perfect compassion, we're free to fall into the arms of the Lord in quiet trust. I want to say that again. Let this sink in. When perfect power meets perfect compassion, we are free to fall into the arms of the Lord in, in quiet trust. God is powerful and able to deliver us while loving and desiring to do so. And both of those are so important because, because if God were just powerful and able to deliver us but not willing to do so, it really wouldn't matter much to us. But he's not just powerful enough to do it. He's willing to do it. He cares for us. It doesn't mean we don't live in a fallen world. It doesn't mean we're not going to face difficulty. It doesn't mean that times sometimes aren't hard. It just means he's more than enough to give us what we need. And that ultimately we know that when we see Christ face to face, we're going to share in his victory. In his victory. I mean, this is the best of all possible worlds. This is a God who can be counted on. And so here it is. We ought to place our trust in God. We're to praise God. We're not to praise others. And we're to place our trust in him. And ultimately, we see Christ in this psalm. Ultimately, we see the fulfillment of this being described in this psalm in Jesus Christ. We know that God is both all-powerful and he's all-compassionate because of the incarnation. Because of, uh, of knowing in the Gospels the life of Christ, how he walked, how he cared, how he loved, that his whole purpose of coming was to die. That in his death and resurrection, we have life. Jesus was humiliated so we could be lifted up. Think about that. The creator of the universe loves us that much. In Jesus, we see God, the son, triumphing over sin and death and hell and power and equally this matchless love pouring out to us. Jesus, when we read the gospels, he executes the, the God's justice. He, he feeds the hungry. He, he literally sets captives free. He opens blind eyes. He, he lifts up others' burdens. He, he, carry, he cares for the rejected and outcast. And he still does it today. He does it today through the supernatural working of his spirit on earth, as well as through his church. All of people ask the question sometimes, where's God in that situation? The real question is, where's the church? Because we're to be the hands and feet and mouthpiece of God, aren't we, church? When we see someone in need, more than just saying, God, would you help them? Maybe we should ask, am I the answer to that prayer? Am I the one who should help my neighbor, my classmate, my colleague at work? Am I the one that needs to speak the word of encouragement? Jesus said that the love that his church would have for one another would be so powerful that people would understand why he came because of our love for each other. Oh, may that be true, right, church? 
We're no one's savior. Understand that. I'm not putting that on you. I would never put it on you or myself. We're no one's savior. He just calls us to live in a way that attracts people to the savior. That stands up for justice. But helps those who can't help themselves. And, and this is who Jesus is. And this is who he calls us, his church, his bride to be. And then lastly, the psalm writes in verse 10. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. The psalmist starts with this call to praise the Lord. And he enters, ends in the same call. He, he, he is where we place our surest trust in life. He, he is a, a, a trust with, with this eternal reward. He's a trust that will never fail. The Lord will reign forever. When we place our trust, our faith, our love in the Lord, we live on mission with him. We're not only preparing for eternity, we can experience a bit of that eternity right now. We can experience a, a piece of heaven right now. Our eternal God encompasses all of history. He stands over each and every event and he's faithful, yes, trustworthy and worthy of us joining with the psalmist and proclaiming praise the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. Remember our question, where do you place your trust? Where do you place your trust? I challenge us that we ought to place our trust in the Lord. Are you hurting this morning? Are you overwhelmed? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and let his, his power and his love wash over you as Savior and Lord. Over the years, I've heard people say something like this to me from time to time. Doesn't God want me to be happy? I dare to confess at times I've thought that myself. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Do you know what that usually is? It's usually an excuse to do things your own way. <laughs> right? God just wants me to be happy. Why can't I do what I want? I've, I've had people come to me and even ask and say this type of thing. What, what, do you think God wants me to be alone? And oftentimes that's used to... to as an excuse to sort of be in a relationship that's not healthy, that's not God-honoring. Doesn't God want me to, he doesn't want me to be alone? No, 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 he doesn't want you to be alone. That's why Jesus came, so that you'll never be alone. Until we realize that Jesus is all we need, we probably shouldn't place our needs on someone else. Okay. Here's, here's, here's the difficulty. If we get our worldview from someone other than God, we shouldn't really be surprised when it doesn't work. That as we look at scripture and get our worldview from here, it's not because God wants less for us, it's because he wants more. Jesus didn't say, come to me and you can have a somewhat okay life. He said, come to me and you'll find life abundant. And I don't know about you, but I have found when I place my trust elsewhere, especially in myself, I do a horrible job being God in my life. Things go haywire. But when I allow his spirit to redirect me and put my focus on him, no God, I trust you. 
Help me live the way you've called me to live. Help me, help me be that person you've created me to be. Then life has a fulfillment that can't even really be explained. It's abundant. Where do you put your trust? Let's put our trust in Christ. And if you've yet to receive him as Lord and Savior, I just encourage you this morning, in the quietness of your heart, whether you're sitting on this campus watching online, why not right now? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to have that life-saving relationship with you as you being Lord and Savior of my life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the words of this psalm written thousands of years ago, yet so true today. They're timeless. And they're timeless because they were inspired by you, they're about you. I don't know about anyone else, but I needed a reminder this morning that you and you alone are worthy of praise, that you're the one who I place my ultimate trust in. I thank you, Lord, that years ago you brought me into this relationship with you through Jesus Christ, a saving relationship. And I pray if anyone's making that decision right now, that they would understand how genuine, how genuine that invitation is to do life with you. That the scripture tells us when just one person receives Christ, that all of heaven applauds. And so, Lord, I pray that heaven's applauding right now. Lord, I ask that wherever people find themselves this morning, maybe going through a difficult circumstance, maybe feeling alone, the list, Lord God, can go on and on and on, but you're the answer. You're the one that can lead to the answer. Lord God, help us get our understanding of life from you, not others. Help us as your church attract people to you and no way distract them. Help us, Lord God, answer the call of that ancient worship leader. Praise the Lord. And may we say, we will praise the Lord with all of our soul. In Jesus' name, who loves us, who gave it all for us, we pray. Amen.